This is a Mr. Thrive Media production. Hey Thrivers, hope you're staying healthy and well. A lot of social media outlets and content creators have been showing off resources to the late COVID-19 pandemic. Here's my take on everything. Do the five. One, wash your hands. Two, cough into your elbow. Three, don't touch your face. Four, stay six feet away from others. Five, if you feel ill, stay home. Otherwise, I don't have any other clever resources for you. I won't pretend to have answers, nor will I sensationalize the situation as so many are doing. What I will do is take advantage of the opportunity to be my best self. I've been running a lot more. I've been eating better. A lot of tofu. I've been being nice to myself. Taking breaks when I need to. Taking naps. Playing video games. Working on side projects. Spending time with my girlfriend. I've minimized and maximized my social life at the same time. And yes, Zoom calls are not the same as being social, but nothing beats a virus like staying happy and safe at the same time. That's all I'm going to say. My challenge to you is this. Be optimistic. It is too easy, dare I say, a lazy mindset to look at the gloom and take it as 2020's defining feature. Don't do that. There's more. This is an opportunity not a meltdown. Treat yourselves well and stay thriving. Let's lower the curve in the stats and widen the curve on your smile. Let's spread positive health and growth to its full potential. Speaking of health and growth, we'd like to thank the Consciousness Network for sponsoring today's episode. The Consciousness Network has an outstanding record for improving the quality of life for thousands of people at a time with their mission. To spread awareness, compassion, service, community, well-being, and environmental sustainability. With the goal of creating healthier, more harmonious, and just communities, I've left events feeling more enlightened than ever before. One program I'm particularly excited for is with Dr. Michael Beckwith, speaking on what it takes to create an abundant and inspired life. Find out more on thecn.org. That is thecn.org. Thanks, and enjoy the show. You have stumbled upon Mr. Thrive Stars of Tomorrow, where together we will discover emerging artists. Craft Motion Films Menachem Kishanian. <laughs> Just go with it. <laughs> Menachem, I love it. We've not had an intro like that yet. This is season two, so... I was so, going to come in dancing, but... Sky's uh, the limit. I know. Well, come in dancing like how Jack Black comes and does his intros, more right? like a... Oh, yeah, a like a little shimmy. Spice it up. Yeah, you know? make it spicy. Give it's it that. I, that's how I go. Right, give it the Middle Eastern flavor, right? <laughs> exactly, a little spicy. <laughs> a little spicy. I love it, man. Thank you so much for having me. This is really cool. Uh, thank you, thank you. And I'm I'm really happy that you, you came here and you, you, you're more than happy to put up with my, with my bedroom. Being both a bedroom and a studio, it's it's uh, it's not always most glamorous, but here there's no such thing as not glamorous. So this is fantastic. Good. I wouldn't yeah. have it any other way. Good. 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 I, I kind of wanted to be invited to your bedroom. I'm glad this is the way I get to come in without any weird, you know. Right. Well, you know, my girlfriend is not going to be happy to hear that you're not the first person to say that to me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> We're good men. <laughs> Now I'm in trouble. But now that I'm in trouble, I want to put the focus on Menachem here because you're, you know, you, you have an online personality. You are, you are an artist, 
but the way that you introduce yourself, you are the creator of a video production company. Yes. And what is it? What it's called? Craft Motion Films. What does Craft Motion Films do exactly? So Craft Motion Films. Um, I am a co-founder. Um, I'm partnered with a fantastic guy named Mendel Katz. He's um, naturally a DP, and we came together as director DP and created Craft Motion Films. Uh, Craft Motion Films. We do high-end video production. Uh, for organizations, schools, nonprofits, and we're making our way into commercial sector. So it's really exciting. Uh, we're starting to do commercials for large corporate clients, and that's like a dream come true. Right. Are you allowed to name them? Um, I can name a few. Uh, there is a Morgan & Morgan, uh, what the, the largest personal injury law firm in the world. Wow. Uh, very, very cool that we got that client only in, in the past year. Um and we're working with a fantastic copywriter, uh, Arn Freed. You guys should check him out. He is one of the lead copywriters in the world right now. I'm not even kidding. Check out his website. You're going to be on the floor with his creative comedy and with the ways he's able to really blend people's um, um, products and uh, get the message across to all, all us millennials. No, definitely. And it seems like that's that's kind of becoming an art, getting a message across. And what is it what that craft motion films does to get that message across in an effective way that still keeps them engaged? Because and I actually this is actually me asking a little bit of advice. Mm-hmm. I, I myself, being a millennial, I, I still it's it's funny, I had a realization today that my dad is more millennial than I am. <laughs> my dad is on Twitter. Nice. My my dad I don't know what it is. He just, there's certain things that he does that I'm like, what the heck? Listen, we all want to be cool like our dad. Right. I mean, that's part of nature. Right. Um, Some of us have cooler dads than others. Um, I myself don't have a dad. Right. But not in a sad way. I just didn't grow up with a father. I grew up with just my mother. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I guess to answer your question, to kind of be out there and to be wanted it's what I've learned from my mentors, actually. My, one of my mentors is a director. His name is uh, Michael Unessi. Mm. And uh, one thing that he to- taught me is there's a whole business side to what we have going on as creatives. creatives. You know, creatives, we don't really like, like to push with a business, but we, have to, we own our own companies. We own our own businesses, whether we're freelancing or not. And number one thing is be, be, some, be, a, be a, a service that people will want and can afford. Right, we all we all have those budgets, our dream budgets, but we gotta really reel them in by by cutting corners on ourselves, mm. doing as much of the legwork as you can yourself to get those first few large clients in, give them the best product you can, and the rest comes. I mean, we're two guys, we're literally two guys. We started in a garage and we're still growing in there, actually. Yeah. Um, and the coolest part is we're able to put on. Fifty to hundred thousand dollar commercials, just us two, and we do uh, project based freelance. So let's say if we have our, our go to um, editors and um, people on set. Let's say we need we need a PA, we need extra hands, makeup artists, and whatnot. We reach out to our our go tos, and being that we don't have a high overhead, we don't have payroll, um, we're able to keep the costs low and make these beautiful commercials. And that's something that I've learned over time. And you gotta grind it out, you know? We start with camp videos, <laughs> Jewish camp videos in LA, right. so. Well, it sounds like what you're kind of hinting at is that the way that our industry is going, 
And this is something that you can pick up just by going on Instagram, on Facebook, just seeing the general content, the video content out there is that we're right now in a revolution where we're getting closer and closer to a one man band that can do it all. Sure. And, and, and do it for a good budget that makes sense. Because you hear about millions and millions of dollars being spent on Super Bowl commercials. It's a joke. It's- but Doritos even, you know, like the Doritos commercials, for example, they they had, they, it was a contest where people were making for like $5 budgets. Oh, fantastic. You know, these commercials. Tell them to call us we can. Right, 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 right. No, but but you're 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 not making $5 commercials. You're yeah, still yeah. You're still a two-man team, though. You're able to come up with a with a realistic budget that's efficient for and convenient for the client. Yeah. And, and you're able to produce that. Yeah, and I, I say, you know, partner up with people that you can really mold and 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 really take on different roles. I mean, I'm a director, right? On set, when I get to set, I'm a director. But when you look behind the shower curtain, I'm, I'm washing myself. No, right. but when you look behind the shower curtain, I'm actually... I should hope so. I... <laughs> I, um, <laughs> did you smell me on the way in? Is that how you knew I parked out front? <laughs> um, I mean, I, I myself, I, I work with the clients a lot. Um, when it comes to casting, I do a lot of casting. I do a lot of set design. I'm a gaffer too sometimes on, on lower budget things. My, my, my partner who's natively a DP, I mean, he does a lot of the finances. He has a financial background. Um, working for our CPA for many years as creatives we had to bootstrap ourselves and take whatever jobs come our way until we could finally make it we haven't finally made it but we're only doing um video production now like we don't have side hustle thank god anymore right um that's the biggest thing I mean we went through a lot to get there and and we really fit each other's molds to be able to take on gigs and not have to give money to other people so that you can really stand on your own two feet Absolutely. Is there is that when you when you abolish the side hustle that helps support the main hustle, would you call that phase two or are there a bunch of other steps leading up to that? I don't think it really ever ends. Right. I mean, the second you hit or finish a benchmark, there's literally another hurdle smiling at you. Mm. It's waiting. It's literally waiting for you. I mean, I grew from a different production company to where I am now. Change names. I, I know how to make websites. I'm a video director. I make what I know how to make a full website now. Right. Dude, send me the codes. I can freaking code a whole website now. And that's because we didn't have the money to pay for somebody to create a badass website. Check us out, craftmotionfilms.com. You'll see we have all our content there. We're always updating it. And because we learned from the beginning how to do it, we're updating our own sites daily the way wow. we want to. And, wow. And that's, you learn. You When you go through the, the grinder, you pick up things on the way. What's been the most... What's been the most strenuous hurdle to jump over? Is the website building with the coding? Because that's not even film. It's not even film. Um, I think one of the biggest hurdles is staying afloat during slow times. Mm. And what we learned is we need to be dynamic. We have, let's say, a month that pays for three months worth of you know, rent, whatever it is, put some money in the savings. Then you have a month that's slow and there's nothing going on. You realize, what do you do during this month without becoming depressed and then rethinking your entire life, right? Oh my God, yeah. And and the answer I have and from experience is you build your company. That month is you're paying yourself your own salary by, by putting the time into building your own company. The way we look at it is we go out and we film a, a B-roll, some some drone content so that we can have a B, so, um, widen our, our roll of flex of drone footage. 
um, or you know, we, we start hunting for clients and we do that. The best way we do that is by sending our videos and whatnot to potential clients, showing them what we can do and how we can advance themselves. This takes a whole day of making a pitch. You spend a whole day to pitch something that you don't even know what the client wants. And that's what we do on our slower days. But luckily, I mean, it's humbling. And I cannot believe we're here where we are right now, where we're turning down some clients. You're able to turn down clients finally? Now we are. I mean, and <clears throat> you guys might think that's crazy. Like, oh, he's able to turn. But that's a big deal in the creative world. Yeah. Where you're able to choose, okay, this client does not fit and it's not going to take us further. And we'd rather put our time into building our own company right now. Because that means power. Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility. Right. Is that how it goes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't want to boast too much about where we are right now. I, I feel like um, a lot of people are in good places. We're a small boutique production company. Um, but we're starting to be noticed. And people are starting to reach out to us i mean in just in the jewish community in the jewish la community which there are tons of jewish schools and organizations that's how we really started right we started in a, in a niche community where you have some sort of foot in the door mm-hmm. and we started with small things we all did our, we each did our own things until we got to where we are now i think that's i think that's a smart way to look at it is to kind of kind of see like the, the different things that you didn't really necessarily ask for mm-hmm. but just certain things that you have access to and how can you capitalize on that and how can you use that to build your way up into making yourself a brand? That kind of sounds like the strategy that you guys have built up. And it is commendable. You're talking about how you don't want to boast too much about it. But not many people can say they do that. I know I know plenty of people who they, they talk about that they want to create a business. Yeah. But they really don't know how to. They don't have a sense of business mentality because they're too focused on being an artist. I, I think the one thing I would say coming off of this is you have to find your mentors. Mm. Who are you said you mentioned one mentor before? Who are your other mentors? So I have a few different mentors. I have see because you have your own business, right? You have to run your own business. So what does that what does that entail? Do you want an LLC or an S corp? What kind of what kind of production insurance do you want? Like there's so many things that come to it, and and you know how much money do you want to put back into your business so that you can pay yourselves either salary, employee. How do you have? How do you have? To, how do you not pay uh, self employment tax? Like there's a lot of these crazy things that you think ah don't. But it, it comes on you really, really fast and you got to catch yourself. So what I do is I tell myself, okay, I need somebody to mentor me in directing so I can become the best director I could be. I found my director that has time once in a while that I can have coffee with him. He's a busy guy. He does like crazy Old Spice commercials and like these million dollar commercials. He just has something out right now, Adventure Force 5. Guys, go watch that. It's amazing. It's on uh, Voodoo. Um, yeah yeah so um michael unessi fantastic director and you find these people i have somebody ron wazanski he's an amazing um venture capitalist um he he invests a lot in real estate and whatnot he he tells me how to handle my money um there there are people you gotta have that you build a relationship with Mm -hmm. you don't suck up to them you have to find somebody that you actually you connect with. There are tons of people that know how to handle money. There are tons of directors. There are tons. You got to find somebody that personality that matches, and they want to take time out of their day to come hang out with you. That means your personalities have to match. Absolutely, you know, and it kind of reminds me of of one thing I heard from uh, a family friend of ours who is a therapist. What he was saying was that there are all these different versions of psychology and therapy out there to help individuals. But the one underlying thing that is the most infuriating aspect of the psychology field 
is that there is no predictor of what is the most effective field. As a matter of fact, the only underlying factor that determines whether or not a psychologist is going to actually be helpful by any capacity is, can you guess? If he doesn't allow people to commit suicide? <laughs> no. Uh, the relationship. Mm -hmm. The relationship is ultimately what helps you grow. And it sounds like what you're talking about is you're not looking for someone that you're subservient to. You're looking for someone that you can build a deep, lasting relationship with where they can see that you that there's a mutual engagement going on mm -hmm. mentally between the two parties. This is fantastic that you're saying this. There are tons of photographers. Right. Tons of photographers in L.A. Yeah. They all have fantastic cameras. They can all do basic, you know, framing, foreground, aperture. They know what to put in focus and whatnot, what to blur out and whatnot. How do you choose which one you want? You find the one that brings a good energy to the set, that brings a good energy to the wedding, brings a good energy to where you are. Mm -hmm. You find the one that's easy to work with. Yeah, okay, you got to put all, you got to put 5,000 photos on a USB drive. And this person says, let's say you want to, the only way you do it is you put it on, let's say, a Google Drive and you send them a link. And this client's like, I don't know how Google Drive work, link works. And you can put it on a USB and then come to my house. You got to say, yeah, no problem. And they're going to enjoy the comfort. It's a service. Part of what you're doing is a service. You know, there are tons of production companies. A lot of them are creative. You also, a part of it is also a service. There's not one, one thing that makes you stand out. There's a few things that puts you above others. No, definitely. And, and we're not photographers, by the way. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm giving an example of a photographer <laughs> right. on how to choose from which one you want. No, absolutely. You know, um, well, building off of that too, like what you kind of were just describing, one of my favorite authors, I've, I've mentioned him a few times in the past, is Robert Kiyosaki. Mm-hmm. And Robert Kiyosaki, he's an entrepreneur. He's a he's kind of a business guru for those who do not know. Although he's a pretty popular guy, and one thing that he has always said is that there are thousands of talented people in the world, but very few of them know how to sell. Hmm. And the ones that know how to sell are the ones that thrive. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sort of thrive. Plug yeah. Your, yeah. You don't gotta plug yourself in your own thing. You know. What I, mean? I just gotta make sure. It just, just it just comes nice. It just. Flows. I mean, you never know, man. Someone could come into my podcast and think they're an armchair expert. I mean, I'm, I'm a lot like Dak Shepard. <laughs> it makes sense. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, with what you're saying, um, yeah, I, I, I think that's that's crucial. And um, and on top of all this stuff that we're we're chatting about, there there are, there are things that we have to look up to people have to look we have to look up to books we gotta read, podcasts we gotta listen to, such as yours. Little things that you could you could pick up on to really polish yourself. And I think that's what people watching this are doing. That's why they're watching this, you know, they they want to polish their craft. That's why I'm doing this podcast. You know, originally I never thought that I'd be producing a podcast, but I'm here to polish and grow. You know, I, I realized the best way to learn is to have conversations with, with multiple people and get their different intakes on the same thing. Um, but what I want to I want to talk more about how you said, um, you know, psychologist. What's the difference between them and, and an normal person? It's because yeah, how, how you relate and, and how you know you have that relationship. Yeah, definitely. Um, He's leading the conversation now. By the way, I'm no longer interviewing. We're just having a conversation. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> uh, we're just chit chatting. I mean, <laughs> what's cool is like like I was initially going to be a lawyer. Really, graduate UCLA 4.0. Region Scholar Society. I only say that because I can never use my transcripts or anything for anything anymore. Okay. So I just throw it out there. Yeah, throw it like, out there. When I get Why a coffee, not? I say, my name is Manakshani 4.0. I'm 
uh, Regent Scholar Society, and I'll Frappuccino. Thank you. When else am I going to ever use my UCLA graduate degree? No, I mean, no you should you should flaunt it 100%. I'm flaunting it. You deserve it. You I, earned it. I, I got I to gotta find a way to like put it on something and tell okay. people. That's a good idea. Uh, this is a good way, though. I, this is a good way. Thank you, guys. Thank you for acknowledging. Um, but I was going to go to law school. I worked at a law firm for two years. And, you know, I don't know if I want to go into the whole story. But while I was at UCLA, I took a lot of film classes. I found my niche in directing, took an accelerated director's program towards my end of UCLA. And what's crazy is I I didn't think I was going to have good relationships with people and the way I could be myself as a lawyer in a, in a, in a courthouse. People kick ass as lawyers. There are fantastic, super cool, very, very, very smart lawyers out there and they enjoy what they do. I realized the relationships I would build as a lawyer wouldn't be the relationships that I would want because personally, I'm not a lawyer type, right? There are accountant type people. There are um, medical type people that enjoy medical conversation and they want to go into the medical field. I didn't. My parents, hell yeah, they're like, you better want to be a lawyer type person. Right. And I broke out of that. And I, I, I went after what I wanted. It took a lot longer than if I just went to law school and started working. But hey, there are still poor lawyers out there. Definitely, and they're they You don't really know which way it's gonna take you. So I went after something that I thought I'd make good relationships with, that I could do a service to my community, giving my creativity, my talents, and and it's been a heck of a ride, man. I bet it sounds like you've had a long history with kind of delivering a certain level of entertainment to people. Yeah, um, the way I would describe it is, I mean, I've I've always. Enjoy. I have a comedy side. You guys can check me out, Menachem K, on Instagram. And we'll definitely talk more about that soon. Yeah. So I mean, give, delivering, you know, my personality is a big part of my life. Yeah. I don't think I'd be hired as a lawyer if they see me half naked running around with eggplants on my hand and like, <laughs> and like feeding my grandmother. You know what I mean? With like Persian goat milk. Right. Which there are videos of those online. Right. And people, I don't think people would want to hire me for like a million dollar case. Right. Well, do you ever do you ever worry about that? Where like you you've gone so far down the rabbit hole, but there's there's no other option. Does I that mean, ever worry you? If you? Have you ever been to a, into a hole so far deep that the light starts to shine on the other side? Uh, like literally, figuratively. Figuratively, Matt. Yeah, I made it out the other side. When you when you lose yourself and your and your ego and and all that, and you become a different person, you come out the other end, and you're like, I could do whatever the hell I want. Right. I come out of my house, and I'm like, today I'm going to be a Persian guy. I'm going to come out, I'm going to come and say hi to everybody like this. Uh-huh. I'm going to make a face like that. And I'm going to pretend like this is who I am. Right. Maybe he's schizophrenic. Maybe he's a little schizophrenic, but you know, it's how I enjoy myself. Oh. I could, look, I could massage this, and I don't care. This is weird. But I could do whatever I want now. Right. And a part of that is I, I have been cl- clinically diagnosed with... I'm just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> a, part of me, uh, a part of me is it's because you got to do what you love. Mm-hmm. And what you love, it's going to bring the happiness out of you. And you're going to be a different person. I have shitty gigs, but I come out of there happy as hell. Right. I love those people that destroy myself. Destroy me, sorry, for yeah, like yeah. a month of right. like re-edits, re-edits, re-edits. I come out of there and I'm like, Damn, that's great. Right. I liked it. You, you kind of went over that hurdle that you went out of. Yeah, exactly. You feel stronger coming out Came of out it. of that hole. Right. 
Well, so, okay, so I probably sound like an idiot like a minute ago. Because when you said, have you ever been in a hole with light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. When you asked that question, I, I was literally drawing on a real experience of mine that mm. I went through. I, I had a therapist a couple years ago mm-hmm. who challenged me to go on an adventure uh, just up by myself. She says, when's the last time you went out and like just did something spontaneous? I'm like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. So like I, I thought about a few things. and I, I thought, like, okay, what if I went kayaking in the ocean just by myself? That oh, was wow. my first thought. But then I went on Google because I was like, what adventures are there to do in L.A. that are attainable? A lot of weird stuff. I found that there are tunnels. There are literal tunnels under L.A. Oh, my God. Under the Hall of Records in Los Angeles. They were originally built to bootleg alcohol during the Prohibition. No kidding. However, they later became famous because they were the very tunnels that Charles Manson was escaped out of by his followers. No way. Before his trial. And now they're just a giant archive for all the crazy Los Angeles trials that have ever happened. But you can easily get in because the building is barely supervised. Oh, my gosh. I probably shouldn't even be saying this. But I think we should start having our podcasts in there. I mean, it's very echoey, but I'm down. <laughs> so what happened was I went down in those tunnels. I, I, it took me all alone. day. Alone. Oh, gosh. And I was going down. And as, as it got deeper, it got hotter and hotter. And I didn't expect that. I thought, if anything, it would be colder. I remember it being rainy outside. And my first realization was as I was going deeper and deeper, I made this. I made it in so easy. I don't know who is at the bottom of this tunnel. Uh-oh. And it's getting darker and darker. And as it's getting darker and darker, I'm hearing sounds. Uh-oh. I'm beginning to hear this wailing sound, like, like someone's being tortured. Ugh. And it was really, really scary. I didn't know what the sound was. I want to go deeper. Did you go deeper? Well, so eventually I got to the point where you turn a corner and it's just pitch black. Huh. I got to that point. And if I had a knife with me, I would consider going deeper. But I decided not to. Good idea. I decided not to because I was by myself. I mean, that would be it. I think your psychologist wanted to see if you'd go deeper or not. Right, and right. Like, if you went deeper, you need to see somebody else. And so I remember like as I'm leaving, I, I, I made a video just in case I got lost and someone found my dead body. <laughs> I made a video. God forbid. God forbid, you know, just like just like on my way out, like, okay, uh, I love my parents. Uh, I'm hearing sounds. Let me show you with my experience. Oh, gosh. Um, I hope I'm okay. Here's evidence. Uh, oh, my God. And so finally I made it out. And that was a crazy experience. And I'm actually really glad I did it. Well, you went on an adventure. <laughs> that was a heck of an adventure. Right, right. But to go back to the figurative thing, which yeah. is what you were intending for. Um, you know, personally, I'm, I can see a light. You know, I can, for me personally, I, I have a plan. And like I, like I mentioned before, there was, you know, the networking events that, I, that I'm planning on creating. And, and utilizing venues, but then also building a community around that. Sure. And getting people excited about what Mr. Thrive Media is and what it can do for artists and being a resource center for entertainment professionals across not only Los Angeles, but America. And that's my plan. That's my goal. You go you know? after you, you chase after whatever and you, you accept every single opportunity. I mean, look, this is amazing. I'm here right now yeah. talking with you and we're sharing life stories. Majority of the people on my social media right. do not know that I make money from making pro- high production videos. Right. They think I'm just this Iranian guy let loose and just running around LA doing crazy videos. But you're much more than that. Thank God. And they probably don't know that I have a college degree. They probably don't know that. And I don't flaunt that. I don't talk about it because my character online is that's how that's how he exists. 
Right. But, you know, I'm happy. And this is, this is exciting. This is free marketing right here. And, no, definitely. Please. And this is awesome. Please take it. Take it. I, I, I beg you because you're a really talented artist. Thank you. And, of, of course, you, you kind of, you've been mentioning, you've been kind of hinting at this, this character of yours, Dr. Shirazi. Dr. Shirazi. Dr. Shirazi. How are you doing? Thank you so much. <laughs> How'd you find this character? <sighs> well, the, um, basically, a lot of Persians during the revolution lost their jobs coming to the, to the United States for the, the better life, right? And um, I noticed a lot of Uber drivers saying that they're doctors and they're Persian people because they lost their medical licenses as Uber, and then now they drive Uber Ubers. There are brain surgeons, for example, from Iran that cannot get their licenses here as a brain surgeon because they lost it there. They went through years of schooling and they're old and they, don't, they, they can't get through the whole testing again. And they drive Uber. So this character came up of Dr. Shirazi where he was a brain surgeon in Iran. He's a loose cannon. And he comes to America for the American dream and he doesn't practice as a, as a surgeon, but he opens a mechanic shop and imagines Iranian guy practicing medicine being like, in secret in his mechanic shop um and we have three episodes now um and it's super cool and we have this character that we developed and oopsie and and uh and this character is has been blowing up dr shirazi he 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 um opened the mechanic shop it gets um broken down because the irs due to not paying his taxes right persian thing i'm kidding (laughs) i pay my taxes um i love this country um thank god if honestly, if this country wasn't here, my family wouldn't exist. We really would not exist. Wow. We had nowhere to run as Persian Jews when we were running the rev- during the during the revolution. The U.S. opened um, had us come with open arms, and they helped us so much throughout. I'm a first generation American. I have a college degree. That's remarkable. I have my own business now. I it's mean, almost and, unheard of. It's crazy. And my yeah. my mother's a nursery school teacher, and I only grew up with one a single mother. It's the resources in the United States. And the communities that, that have been built here that help people like me and my family be able to get a chance at life. It's crazy. And and, and, and you think about the odds of, of immigrants. I'm, I'm sure you had a reaction to the last major, and it's currently still going on, the refugee crisis that, that took place with Syria. Yeah. I'm sure you, you must have had a reaction looking at that a bit. I mean, I only see stories from my family uh-huh. and images in my head from the stories growing up. But whenever you see it live on video, it's scary. You see kids, these kids, like mother breastfeeding while bombs are going off. I mean, that's scary, it's and really not scary. and not having a place to go. But let's talk about happy stuff. Yeah, no, um, no, no. We'll talk about that. Um, I, I, I verged off. Yeah, yeah. No, but so Dr. Shirazi, just going back on this, um, my character is is a mix between um, Charlie Chaplin. So a lot of situational humor, a lot of facial expressions. What are you doing? Right, right, and um, like, oh, something's nice. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm watching you, like, like turn to this character, and you, you, you go through this metamorphosis so fast, and I really have no idea how you do it. Yeah, I think because I do it in public all right. the time, and I practice it, and and somebody actually commented on, it, they're like, "Are you two people? Like, how do you turn your face into that all of a sudden?" <laughs> right, um, right. Like, do you have mul- do you have multiple personality disorder? Um, Which you don't. I'm, I'm literally I'm, I'm calculating. Whoopsie, I'm calculating everything, and I'm adding them as we go today. Right. I'm learning right. a lot about these terms. Well, did you ever see that that Jim Carrey documentary? Oh, a man on the moon. Uh, 
I'm pretty sure that was it. It's it's the it's the new one, right? The one that came out yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was that was very inspiring. That's man, like, man on the Moon, right? I think it's Man on the Moon. Yeah, so good. And that that's very inspiring. Right. And Andy Kaufman, man, he he changed the game. He really did. But it's not just Andy Kaufman because it's Andy. It's it's Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman, and later on Andy Kaufman as his other characters. Yes. And it, it's just like a constant, like speaking of of going down the rabbit hole, using that phrase again. It's it's this constant, uh, a character play of within characters, and I I remember trying to keep track of it, and at the very end having a headache because I I just couldn't conceive how he was doing it, and nobody knows who the true Andy is. You never know, and no one knows who the real Jim Carrey is. That's true. It gives me chills. I I I did a little stand up on the side just for fun, on like you know just to do some 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 fun things and you know relax the mind. So I did it. I sweat profusely, by the way. When I do stand-up, I didn't know. I, that's when the showers start coming out. Oh, wow. Um, from, Scary, huh? Yeah. I, I wasn't scared. I don't know why my body did that. It's like an on switch. If like just a release. I don't sure. know why. Sure. Um, I felt fine on stage. But I would be introduced as Dr. Shirazi. And I come to stage as Dr. Shirazi. And I leave as Dr. Shirazi. Was it, was it well-received? So people laugh because they don't know if they should be laughing, if they because I'm a I'm a terrible stand up comedian. I, I right. I'm on I'm on I'm on screen right. I can, I'm terrible at being stand up live performance. I usually do I can I can like I can be a weird guy like this right now, <laughs> but I I cannot like like do that on stand up right and have a whole set. They just haven't understood the shtick yet. Yeah, but it's just so funny because they come to me and they're like, I tell them. Yeah, I'm doing an entire year, you know, tour as a comedian here in America. I'm learning a lot about the culture. And, like, I'm just saying, I'm blabbering off. And some of the stories are actually kind of funny. But they're not funny enough that I see people dying on, on in their chairs. Right. And they come up to me, like, how long are you doing your, your tour for? This is so cool. I'm Iranian, too, by the way. Oh. And I'm, like... <laughs> And I stay in my character. Yeah. I give them like my fake website, my fake everything. Oh my God. So and these I, don't exist. Yeah. You're just staying in character. I'm, the whole time. And I leave. I have a Dr. Shirazi Instagram and a website just for fun <laughs> for this reason. Oh my and God. And I did this for a few months. Okay. And it started catching on. I probably shouldn't be telling you guys all this because like, that's like breaking the whole rule. These are secrets. <laughs> These are break, secrets. Breaking the whole rule of me being that character. But in public, nobody knows who I am. I'm not big enough that people know me. Dr. So, Shirazi is exposed <laughs> on Mr. Thrive Stars of Tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. I usually have a thick unibrow. It's very funny. You guys, when you add a unibrow to anything, it's just extra funny. It really is. And I was going to ask, that's, I mean, that's obviously uh, something, some makeup that you that you put up right there. Yeah. Right yeah, between it's, your it's, eyebrows. It's, it's eye, eye, uh, eyelash mascara, not mascara, mascara. The eyelash thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't know that's that. I, I don't know. I'm too. I just buy it. It comes like in this thing. You pop it out and you just kind of like roll it on here. Okay. And it washes off nicely. Perfect. Um, but it gives you a nice thick line. It just makes that connection, man. No, every it just time connects I, it. Every time I see this, I, I do a little double take because I I don't it know where real. I don't know if I'm looking at Menachem or if I'm looking at if I'm looking at Doctor Shirazi. Dude, it looks real. <laughs> I I've gone to a party with it on in character. I've gone to a party in character. Have you ever left it on on accident? Like, like you're you're kind of back as Menachem, but like um, I think I got in the car and uh, I was at a red light and someone was looking at me and they started <laughs> giggling, and I'm just like, like just my dumb, hey, hey, what's up? And they're just like laughing and and because it's a thick, mu- you have nobody has a unibrow like that. That's just mean. And they're they're cracking up, <laughs> and then I look at myself like, oh shoot, I forgot to take it off. <laughs> it was so funny. 
That's great. I want to like I want to be that character more often. Like, right. It's just it releases you from the social norms and the construct of everything because nothing. There's no rules when you're this character. No, totally. Well, it's kind of like that that old wives' tale where you know if you keep that face long enough, it'll stick. Mm. You know, like I mean, that personality might just stick, man. Hey, and it's not a warning. It. It's more so just a you do you, man. I would. I wear my. I wear sweatpants all the time in this character. I put it above my waist. Sounds right. very comfortable I'll, to me. I'll, that's what I'm saying. I would love yeah. to stay like that. That's great. Yeah. With, with flip-flops, Iranian sandals, huge big toe just sticking out. Mm. Dude, when you see a big toe like that, you're like, what's this guy thinking? But when I see it, I'm like, that looks nice. You know what I You know what I think of when I when I see that? Did when you watch Spongebob growing up? Oh, when he's pressing the gas Yeah, pedal? thank Amazing. you. Amazing. When he pops out his toe. Dink. And I always like would imagine that when I'd put a light foot on, on the gas pedal training. That helped I, me a lot, I've actually. I've learned so much from Spongebob. How to tie your shoe. Oh, to yeah. To the loop-de-loop and pull. Right. Now your shoe's on. Oh, God. God. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Spongebob was a classic. Um, uh, but let's, let's get back to... So we're talking about Dr. Shirazi, this right, character. Right. And, and um, yeah, I mean, I think we all have our hobbies. And that's, I guess, part of a majority of my life is that. Other than craft motion films, you know. Totally. Well, I love it. It's a, it's a totally infectious, just... It totally rubs off in the best way. And I, I, I've always loved your content with, with Dr. Shirazi, <laughs> the Persian Mr. Bean. Exactly, the, the Persian Mr. Bean. So you've entertained all your life. And, and it, it, it didn't just start there. When you, when you first came, were, were you alive when, you, when your parents, when, you, when your mom and, and grandma first came to America? Were you alive then? or? Um, I was not. I was born, I think like. 10 years after that or something like that. Right. I'm not even sure. Right. Um, but right away you started entertaining. You kind of started working pretty fast then. Yeah, yeah. So right when I got, to, I mean, in high school, I started working, I mean, only because of my my financial situation. Um, not as an entertainer. Actually, part of it was, looking back, in high school, um, I mean, just to pay to go to school for my gas. My, my The school I was in is in the city. I live in the valley. And just to go there, I had to start paying for my own gas because my mother was paying for three kids, supporting my grandmother and my grandfather that were here at the time. They're still here, actually. I live with my grandmother still now, thank God. Um, it's the coolest relationship. You guys got to check her out, Mommy Shanaz, on my Instagram. She's hilarious. Um, and just in high school, I started playing percussion. I started playing percussion, and I started playing at weddings, dancing and performing at weddings, Israeli drums. Um, and I was playing at large-scale weddings like you wouldn't believe making like six eight to seven hundred dollars a night wow and i was getting booked like three times a month and that's that's killer cash dude killer cash in high school i started helping out i started you know collecting these funds and a lot of it just stayed in my savings other than you know the, having to pay for things but this is later on i mean this is like coming out of high school in high school i was just paying for gas i was a little guy playing the drums at house parties and whatnot going to college i started playing at weddings and stuff and that's when i started to actually make money instead of it's just spending all the money that I made. Well, I'm, I mean, make good money. Right. Is what I mean. There's a difference between whatever you make, you spend that month compared to whatever you make, you spend and you get to save some. Well, suddenly you, you became the rich kid in the school, but even more <laughs> unique, especially in this generation, is that you're probably the only kid working for that money. I, I was definitely not the rich kid. I The school I went to was $30,000 a month, a year. $30,000 oh, a year okay. for the school. I, I take it back. And... Um, <laughs> Well, my, they helped my mother out a lot. I mean, oh, I, okay. I can't That's say good. how much, but they we would not have been able to go that 
all. Right. All three of us went to that school. Wow. Amazing, amazing school. Wow. Um, they really helped us out. But but going off of that, I, I was able to, you know, make the money I needed to support myself throughout high school. And that was just from the get-go. I, I, I had to make my own money. I mean, and a lot of us didn't have to work in high school. I mean, think about that. I had to work. And, and with that mindset, I worked all throughout college. I worked at a law firm when I was in college. Um, I, I, I mean, I'm blessed to have had that push because I'm 25, mid-20s. And being that I have my own production company, a lot of it has to do with, with my financial hard-headedness. Hmm. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. Um, but, you know, you have your bad times. Like one time I was playing the drums at a wedding. And this is kind of like what made me stop playing percussion at, at events. Um, and the music went out. Right, the DJ when I was dancing, the music went out, power went out. So I grabbed my drum and I started. I mean, and we've all had these weird work experiences. Um, I started playing the drums so people can start dancing and whatnot. And then people started like putting money, like twenty dollar, hundred dollar bills. This is a high scale wedding. Uh, Persian weddings are insane in LA. If you want to see like magic, watch a Persian wedding. It's insane, like magic carpet ride. I don't know how they do it. Like the craziest things at weddings they're able to do. Wow. And they, they're putting money in my pocket and all over me. And they start like wiping my head with dollar bills and what my sweat because I was sweating profusely dancing. I usually bring like four to five shirts to weddings. It's just my thing. I sweat through all my shirts. Whether I'm a performer or I'm celebrating, I sweat like crazy. And they started doing this and they started treating me kind of like I was like a stripper. Yeah. Like they're like, dance, monkey, dance. And they're putting money in. And I'm like, dude, I'm a, I'm a college graduate. I I went through a lot too in school and, and, and in life. And I'm a lot, I have a lot more to give than being thrown money like that in a disrespectful way. And I'm like, this is how people see me. I was there for the fun. I was there to dance and enjoy myself and, and give some happiness to the bride and groom. But if this is how people are treating me like I'm a nobody, I don't want to be handed money like that. I I mean, yeah. I kept the money and it was very helpful. But sure. at the end of the day, I look back and that's when I pulled the plug. I, I still do gigs here and there for like people that I know. I know the, I know the guests, the, the, the groom and the bride, or I know I really know the DJ really well. But that's like when I started to like really wean off of that. You know, it's funny. I didn't expect to you to remind me of something, but this is something that I, I told myself a long time ago, and it relates to a story that happened recently to me too. So I, I, I get where you're where you're coming from. I I had this realization a couple years ago that there is a difference between a hustler and an entrepreneur, and I think what you just said kind of pinpointed something I haven't really considered yet which is that entrepreneurs respect themselves enough not to put themselves in those situations. Mm-hmm. And they and they work towards getting out. But a hustler looks at that and they see an opportunity to earn the the quick grab money. Mm-hmm. You know, and they and they they kind of sacrifice a personal side of their identity just to be able to get that extra buck. And I feel mm-hmm. like that was this this identifying moment, this key moment for you personally where you realized I'm above the stripper mentality, yeah. you know. I I had a similar moment uh, working at the last job that I had at Dave and Buster's, it was it was another late night. I was busing, and busing at Buster's, busing at Buster's, and uh, this this like guy was going around. He was like dressed in like a fur coat, like super extravagant. Might have been a real animal. I don't know. Yeah, kind of. You gotta disturbing. smell him, and you'll know. Yeah, if yeah. It's a real animal or not. But this guy is kind of strutting around, and he starts throwing around 
dollar bills. Oh. And I've never seen anyone do that before. I've I've never you, know, you see that in movies, don't see that in real life. This yeah. guy did it. And if you want to see the closest thing to a Scorsese extravagant film <laughs> kind of thing, go to Dave and Buster's Hollywood because it gets really insane to the point where it's stimulus overload and it's rowdy. It's it's almost not fun when you're looking at it from a professional perspective. But there's this guy who's basically a pimp throwing around single dollar bills. And in my first thought was, ooh, money, which is what anyone would think. Yeah. And I got on my knees and I started picking up wet dollar bills oh, off gosh. the beer battered floors. And I remember like putting it in my pockets mm-hmm. and feeling like my pockets get damp because of this beer soaked money. Nasty. And I remember counting it in the corner because I realized that if anyone else saw that I had picked up those dollar bills, they'd want me to share it with them. Hmm. I remember going home. And I put it in one of my tzedakah boxes behind me. And I did not feel good about it. I did not feel good. I, I felt dirty. I felt like I was that. I was as dirty as the beer batted floor I'd pick the dollar bills off of. So you just put it in charity. You're like, I don't want that kind of money. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I, I made it a point to get those exact dollar bills, and I would, you know, see a homeless guy on the side right outside the. Free, freeway off-ramp, and I would try to hand over a dollar bill when I could. Nice. Just get that money away from me. Yeah, but then also, work hard towards getting the fuck out of there. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, like That's exactly it. It's, part of it is hustling. You need some of that hustle. Yeah. But then, af- I mean, you don't hustle your whole life. You hustle, but as an entrepreneur mentality. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. By, hu- by hustle, I mean, yeah, dude, I have 15-hour days, 16-hour days, and they're back-to-back a lot of the time. And I'm I gotta I gotta jump on a deadline, you know I, I I'm editing, I edit a lot of the stuff we do, um, and it's it, it yeah it's exhausting, but you don't find that that you know feeling of accomplishment until you get through those days, and it's part of it's the hustle you gotta get through that hustle but once the hustle starts hustling you yeah. That's Once the hustle starts hustling you, it's time to grow to the next step. Absolutely. And that's the entrepreneur mentality. And the you know what, though? It's, it's really tough for general people to kind of get this sometimes because I realize that hustling is something that is romanticized. Mm-hmm. As soon as you're – even at a young age, the hustle is romanticized. I mean, again, like I said, like throwing dollar bills up in the air. Like that was something I only saw in movies. And that seemed cool to me. Yeah. And then I realized that's like the lowest of low in terms of ways to, to to grab that money. You didn't earn it. You 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 were just a social Darwinist person. You were there while that rich guy wanted to fart it all out. Right, right. And that guy was just trying to show off, by the way, that he yeah. had money. Yeah, With see a lot of that in Beverly Hills. All right, what what do you, what do you think the worst place is to throw money around? Worst place to throw money? I was gonna say a funeral. Mm. Imagine you go to a funeral and you just throw it. And then, like, I, I think there'd be like this confusion, like you know, you know people, you know people use money to celebrate Armenian weddings. That's right, they do. Yeah, they throw money in the air. It's pretty cool. I think I've seen it actually. Yeah, yeah. do people pick it up? I mean, are, are there guests that they start like sneaking some of that into their pocket? Uh, maybe. Who 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 mops that up? I'm happy to mop it up at the end of the day. <laughs> right. Like you know. Uh, I mean, I mean, that might be one of those things where they they might they might just have like the the person the cleanup crew like this is their tip or it's production money. I, we've worked with fake money too. True. Oh oh yeah yeah right. Well, prop money is an interesting thing. 
problem. There's, there's a guy on Hollywood Boulevard, right below the Hollywood and Highland Mall, that sells fake money. Hmm. Like, you can go there and you can exchange your real dollar bills for, like, prop stacks of money. And it's the funniest thing nice. to me. We've rented it. We rent fake money in the past. Right. Um, they usually stack them, and the first few are uh, the fake dollar bills. Uh-huh. So legit. $100 bills. Really? And they're fat stacks. And I, I swear, I think they use it for all those, like... Um, like rapper music videos. Oh yeah, totally. We're just shitting it all out. <laughs> like it's coming out of the car. Right. It's coming out of his pants. Right. It's, it's coming out of her pants. Right. It's coming out of the dog's mouth. <laughs> They're bringing money out of the weirdest places. It's coming out of the jacuzzi. Oh no, it's in the jacuzzi's filter. Oh, the j- filter just burnt. But it's money. <laughs> but it's money. They open up the oven. There's more money. There's more. That's the music videos. <laughs> Indecently dressed women. Right. Which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, and yeah, because they're, 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 they're just there as objects. The objects and they're just selling them yeah. to the viewers. Right. No, totally. Who are not really listening to the music. They're, they're watching the eye candy. And then you have people throwing money as if like, no, I mean, we shouldn't, we shouldn't value money that much. We should respect it. People work hard, hard for money. Right. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, again, it's like, that's another thing that romanticizes the hustler mentality yeah. are, are, are all these different, you know, videos. Like how many, how many rap videos out there can you name? I'm not even going to name them that just like have like that. They're like, okay, people on a cruise rapping, talking about alcohol, drugs, <laughs> money, half naked girls. That's what they, I think that's what it is. I mean, like it's, I'm, I would say like, like safely 80% of rap music videos are that mm-hmm. if higher and it's like it's but not, even, it's not obviously good. obviously there are a lot of rap videos that that have a lot of meaning oh that, yeah that definitely. speak about people's someone's life definitely you know, getting out of let's say a very tough situation right eminem's gu- guilty of that 100 mm-hmm. percent. yeah and uh <laughs> and like like relationships and like dude rap is poetry it's an amazing art but there's so much of it that is not doing it the right way and we shouldn't throw all the raw tomatoes into the same basket with the with the good tomatoes. But, That's very true. But we we I mean you see them on the YouTube videos. You see what we're talking about. Definitely. Every now and then I, I play this game with my parents. If we're on a road trip, for example, we'll we'll be driving somewhere and I'll be like, Mom, Mom, Dad, I need to show you, I need to show you a song, and they roll their eyes because they know what I'm doing. Uh-huh. I'm like, I just need to show you a song, and I purposely pull up a song that I know they're gonna hate. Oh gosh! And I do it all the time. I just want to see their reaction. I just want to see their reaction to to the new little Dicky song or or whatever whatever they have no the idea was flying. I think any any song at this point, right? And, have, oh no! Please continue. I was thinking they're just confused. A lot of, of the, a lot of the music we're putting out there. Oh yeah. Right. The the triple it yeah, yeah, the mumble they're, rap. They're yeah. just all mumbling, mumbly, shumbly. Right. Bingly, dingly, dungly. Babala, babala, boop. A shubity, bibity, bop. Chris D'Elia does a great impression of the mumble rap. He's fantastic. Would Dr. Shirazi ever have his own mumble rap song? We can make one right now. Okay. Thank you so much. I mean that's part of it. It's little, it's little Shirazi, yo. Little Shirazi. Little Shirazi. <laughs> My name is Mister Shirazi. How are you doing? I ask because I care and I wanna know now. <laughs> it's like Doctor Shirazi, 
trying to impress a girl on a Tinder date. Tinder date? But with rap. I swipe a lot left. I swipe on you right. You look very <laughs> ripe, like a nice... Uh, person. Person. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> um, but I'm not so good at that kind of stuff. I have friends that rap, like, r- they know how to rhyme. I have very, I have very limited words in my... In my, I, I yeah. can't even think about what that word is. Totally. I have limited words in my... No, no, and I definitely. can't even say that word. R- right. I have limited words in my portfolio of words, I guess you could say. Lexicon. That's the word. Really? Yeah. Dude, you should hang out with me more. Oh, yeah. dude. You'll educate me. I, I, so I used to do this thing in college. I should hang out with you more. Sorry. I no, we should definitely hang out after this, you know? What are you doing after this? <sighs> Probably going to post something about this. Fair enough. But, but you've had a lot of different enriching experiences. You even traveled Europe. Yeah, yeah, that was insane. After graduating, I went four months. Four months. Arba. Now, I did two months. Two we, months. Yeah, I did two months of travel, and that was long for me, but you did four. You did twice that. It, it's. I got the homesick feeling towards the end. I mean, that was the yeah. first time I left home for that long. I usually go for like a two-week trip, one-week trip, but i never been to Europe, and when I went to Europe, I'm like, if I'm going to Europe, I'm going to stay there. Right. And I basically lived there for four months, and I it was by myself, all alone. I was traveling. about to ask, yeah. Yeah, wow. but, Traveled by myself. I went to like tons of countries. Oslo, Norway. I went to Budapest, Italy, France. Wow. Um, I went to Israel too. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the highlight of my trip. Um, I can't even think of half the places. I went to tons of places in Switzerland. I mean, sure. Paris. I think I said that too. No. <laughs> I went to Paris and I went to Paris. Right. Also Paris. Right. You just stayed in France the whole time. You never really did Europe. It was just France. Um, <laughs> but I, I did have some crazy, crazy trips there. And I, I also stayed in Budapest. Budapest, I stayed for three weeks. I had a buddy of mine had an apartment that from his old family members. He wasn't there at the time. I went there. He actually met up with us afterwards. But yeah, man, that was a crazy like learning experience traveling alone. Yeah, I bet. And like le- learning to communicate with people that do not know what the hell you're saying. Oh, that's the toughest part. Budapest, not too many people spoke English in the town I was in and like my facial expressions really helped tell people what I needed. Yeah. Like bathroom. Well, did you, did you have have to play like charades with them a bit? That's all I did. I played charades all the time. Yeah. That's all I did when I was there. Right. I'm sure you have some crazy stories too while you're traveling. Well, we, we had to deal with English barriers ourselves and, and there, there was this one day, me and my best friend, Josh, we still, Josh is the king of inside jokes and he always, repeats the same jokes oh no but it's like it's like in a charming way it's not like in a bad way but it's refreshing this, this joke he brings up all the time so we were we realized that we were using URL to get around and we realized right. that as soon as you got into a new country it's best just to book all of your tickets for that URL, all your reservations for that URL ahead of time nice and um we as a group we're, we're four guys total and we decided two of the guys so nick and dylan are going to go off and try to go online to get the tickets while nice. Josh and I are going to go to the kiosk. Got to split it up. It just split it up and just try to divide and conquer a bit. So Josh and I are now operating this kiosk and there's this gypsy woman who's uh, going around and what she does is she comes and she helps you. She asks you, where are you going? And we tell her and then she'd press it and then she'd ask for money. Uh-oh. So we said we didn't need help. And she was still asking for money. And we said, no, please go away. Like when they make those bracelets on your hand and you don't want them and then they ask you for money. Right, right. They make it for you. It's the same thing. So 
this kiosk is only four machines. There's two machines here, and there's another two machines. She's going around in circles like a goldfish. Uh-oh. Which I hate to put it like that, but that's what she was doing. So she would circle around the whole thing, and then she'd come right back to us in less than five seconds. Less than five seconds. And she'd be like, okay, let me help you. I'm like, no, go away. We had to say to this woman, go away. Uh-oh. So she did it to us like five times. And eventually I said, you're harassing us. you got to stop right now. This is getting ridiculous. And, and she says, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm going to call the police. And she goes, go ahead, call the police. And to this day, Josh still, he'll do the impression, call the police. Whenever like I say something to him like that. So then, like, what happened? I don't even know the number. No, I didn't. I realized 911 is not how you call the Italian police. Um, But then she circles around again and she asks for money again. And so I said, Hey, you know what? I'm a poor person too. I'm a poor traveler. How about you give me money? She says, Okay. And she reached into her pocket and she gave me a penny. Uh oh. And I was like, You don't want to touch that. I I, I was actually baffled. And I was like, no, you keep your money. And so, like, Josh and I, we, like, somehow, like, like while all this was happening, we were able to figure out the whole entire Uriel thing. And we just we just walked away. Just we left. were so we were so infuriated. That was, like, this this woman was just crazy. Yeah, you found a lot of those crazies. <laughs> and I, I use Uriel, too. I actually went to Prague. Oh, you went to I Prague. I to okay. go there. I went from Berlin. I traveled all over Germany, too. I bet that was beautiful. Yeah, oh, my gosh. I just love Germany. Travel, just being on the train and traveling is yeah. gorgeous. We went to Stuttgart. Um, we went to um, a bunch of different cities all across, you know, Germany. You, you say we at this point where you linked up with other people. Yeah, I met some friends. Okay, traveled with some friends. Cool. Um, people showed me around, um, and uh, you know, it's good friends. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, I, I travel with, and I actually make friends, and I live at their houses. Like on a flight from Berlin to Zurich, I met somebody, Coco. And Coco, Coco, I love that fantastic, fantastic person. Okay, and I lived with her and her family. Okay, for like two weeks, ate from the fridge, wow. vegans, easy with kosher. Wow, and I wasn't religious at the time, um, and just like travel, I'd meet with, I would meet people. I spoke, had an hour long conversation on an hour flight, and she invited me, and I stayed with the family, and I did that all across, you know, even in Florence and Italy and different places. I would just stay at people's houses. Wow. Which is pretty cool. That sounds That's, lovely. That's probably for another time. I have tons of stories about that. Regarding having a confusing trip, I, I took my uncle's idea seriously. He told me, if you're planning a trip, don't plan. Just get your flight and go. Mm. And the truth is, that was the smartest thing I ever did. Because if you don't plan your trip and you get there and things screw up, you can just say, I didn't plan my mm. trip. Mm. And everybody will lighthearted, dude. Happiness is life. You have to have happiness to get through everything in life, really. Yeah. And happiness is a choice. And I always tell everybody, you guys, I'm not a saint. I, I, I'm not coming up with this on my own. I've read tons of books about it uh-huh. from our Jewish sages, by the way. And they speak a lot about happiness. Wow. And the only way to really serve God is through happiness. You have wow. to be in, happy yourself. The same with a lot of my friends when they tell me they want to start dating somebody. Mm-hmm. And they're like, I want to date somebody. I want, I want a, the perfect girl, and and I'm going to make she's going to be happy. I'm going to be so happy with her. I'm like, dude, you're miserable right now. Why are you mm. going to go give your terrible life to somebody else? First, fix yourself. Make sure you're happy before you go and be with somebody else. Because then you're going to be somebody's problem. You want to elevate each other. Yeah. Um. And I, and I tell my friends like, if they they're looking for somebody to date, I'm like, you're not. I don't think you're ready to date right now. Like, get get ready, you know, make sure you're content with yourself and happy and, and you worked on your personality traits because 
when you get into a serious relationship, you know, a lot of that plays in. The most, I, I find that the best relationships kind of happen when you're, when you're not looking, mm. when it's kind of least expected. Yeah. Uh, you're not trying as hard. Not trying as hard, but also you're your most natural self. Yeah. And that's, isn't that a remarkable, isn't that a weird conundrum? It's the hardest thing. Yeah. I tell people it's going to come. The, 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 who am I going to marry? I'm gonna, you're going to marry the right person for yourself. I, I firmly believe everyone has their soul partner. Right. And, and I think when you become the best version of yourself or close to it, that's when you guys are going to meet. It's going to happen naturally. Absolutely. Did you ever hear the, the ancient Greek mythology on romance? Like what their theory is on how uh, your, your soulmate works? No. I, I love this so much. Even though it's not of my religion or, or sure. my personal belief, I just think it's very poetic. A lot of religions came from a lot of the you know. Yeah. Well, the... so the idea is when the gods were creating humans, they originally molded us from clay. And as they were molding us, we had four legs, four arms, four eyes, two noses, two mouths, two heads. However, what happened was they realized that it was too complete. And so what they did was they split us up and they put us on opposite sides of the worlds. Hmm. And in doing so, they made it our life mission to find each other. Nice. Isn't that beautiful? the world. Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Just like I was attached to someone before I was conceived yeah. And and now my life mission is to find that person in this big maze that we call the world. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Yeah, I mean also in Judaism, the belief is your your destined soul partner has been chosen before you're brought into the world. Oh. And your other half of your soul is actually all going to be in the world the same time you are and they're going to and they're going to be sent at the same time. That's a beautiful this thought. This destined who you're going to be with is destined. And I tell people that they're like Oh, I don't understand. So if they're destined, why am I not married yet? And they're in their 30s and 40s. It's a great question. Yeah. And the only answer I have is maybe they haven't reached the, where they're supposed to be yet. It's a good point. They're not, they're not ready yet. Or you're not. And if they say they're ready, and maybe they are ready, mm-hmm. then their partner is not ready for them. Right. Whoever their soul partner is, they haven't reached the potential they're supposed to be to be able to be married to you right now. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I mean, there's, there's just different phases that you got to go through in life to... To reach that that ultimate peak, to, to, to be that. I think the best way to find the person you love is to love yourself first. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a Jewish moral right there. If there's if there's one thing I would say that I would like for you guys to take away from this, yeah, is find Rabbi Manus Friedman on YouTube. He's a psychologist, clinical psychologist. And he has the most amazing things on relationship, lust, love, and the reality of all these feelings. Like Rabbi Manus Friedman has changed lives on the daily on YouTube. Check him out on YouTube. You go to his, his talks. Amazing. That's remarkable. He sounds like an incredible speaker. Really, very, very cool, calm. He talks with a smile, very relaxed. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta play his stuff like times two on YouTube, just because okay. like because he speaks pretty slow, and that's fine. If you're chilling, just chill with him. Is he the Bob Ross of rabbis? I guess you could call him that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> a little bit more spiritual. <laughs> a little more spiritual, not little... not with paintings. Exactly. Man, that's cool. But now we're in this place. I mean, you've. You, you now have craft motion films and whatnot, but there were some steps that took to get there. You said that craft motion films was conceived from another project prior to that. Yeah, I mean, it's I started with freelance, right? I did small videos here and there, but I'm not going to go back all the way there. I'm going to really start with my biggest break, which was working for a large tech company called Sabrent. Mm. A partner and, and I, um, Menachem Silverstein and I. Um, the other Menachem. The other Menachem. I've only worked with Menachem, which is really creepy. That's really weird. 
How hot? <laughs> Menachem. How many times have you heard the name Menachem before? I mean, for non-Jews. And then I, my last part, business part was Menachem, and this one is Menachem too. It's Menachem Mendel. Even, by the way, for me, who is Jewish, who went to Jewish summer camp, who went to Temple at Chaim, and all these different things, I was very involved Jewishly. He's the first Menachem. This is the first Menachem I've ever met before. And you're welcome. Yeah, I, I feel very blessed. No problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so Menachem Silverson gave me an opportunity to work with him at a uh, tech company. And what happened was we became an internal tech company. Um, we did internally, we did all the media for them. I see. So, so our, we first started off just making for not only this Sabrin, this tech company, check them out on, on, on Amazon, number one selling brand with a lot of the stuff they sell. Um, but they owned like five or six other companies and all of them online based. And there's this whole thing going on. So we were doing tons of product videos and product photography, fashion photography. There's a, there's a French brand we were working with under them and we just grew we we hustled this was hustling we didn't let it hustle us but we hustled mm. going to home depot to get like boards for like these four photo shoots that we never did we did a crazy photo shoots at this million dollar mansion on sunset it's like 130 million dollars like something something wow. crazy wow and um we didn't pay for it. the company did mm-hmm. not our company the large company long right. story short we started there and from there uh wingman production we left after we developed a whole system for them internally. Our job was to create a production company internally for them so that they can make everything in-house, older products, older everything to, to make in-house, all the video products and assets they needed, GIFs, to creative GIFs, mm-hmm. creative GIFs to like photo shoots, to videos, to like videos with storyline. And that's kind of where my commercial, comedic commercial side came out with my ads because we did some for them. And from that, what happened was we came out as Wingman Production. We hit the market as a product-based, product video-based production company. I see. And nothing bit for like eight months. And that's when we started to like dissolve our brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized, look, I do a lot of videos for organizations naturally for schools and nonprofits just on the side. And I'm like, I do them well. I'm a great storyteller. Why don't I partner up with the freelance guy, Mental Cats, that I, that I we used to hire each other out for certain gigs um, and make a partnership. And we tested it out, tested it out. We started being booked left and right. Our product became better and better. And that's where Craft Motion Films kind of came out of. So you got I, we tested a lot of things. So you really went through a lot. But to start even before then was when I when my friend submitted my film, to to uh, first take film festival at UCLA, okay, and that was insane because basically I made a film at, at during a film class I was in at UCLA with uh, Professor Noose and um, digital digital uh, cinematography, and after that um, the film that I made for my final exam like was great called The Loop, and the partner of mine um, in the class submitted it to a film festival at UCLA and we were competing against UCLA film students. And it was a Friday night. I keep Shabbat, so I slept at the Bayit, which is a place at UCLA, um, a co- Jewish co-op. And I walk there and I'm like, nothing's going to happen because my friend's like, oh, your, your videos actually made it as a contestant. I'm like, no way. Wow. And my friend submitted it. So I went there and I ended up winning Best Director. <laughs> and I'm like, holy cow, like I have a chance in this. Yeah. And I started taking it seriously. I, I Under David Psors, I took a... Um, a an advanced 
a director's program at UCLA, mm-hmm. um, and I took it seriously. I took a lot of I took a lot of extracurricular classes on top of that program, and I learned a lot about film. I learned a lot, and I most importantly, I met a lot of people in film. We started doing projects together, and the rest is history. I mean, the rest is people started noticing you and your craft. That's a big part of us. You know, we it's huge. St- it's it, a craft is is something that you get good at and people pay top dollar for. Mm-hmm. And we're not there yet. We want people to pay top dollar for us. But right now we're making some kick-ass commercials you guys can see on our site and videos for organizations and companies that I would love for you guys to check out, you know, and even give me some some tips, you know, on some stuff maybe you see that you think I could advance on because I'm, I'm, they're much larger production companies than us. Um, but we're scaling, thank God, and, and things are really booming and it's fantastic man it's a fantastic feeling that's huge let me ask you this if someone on the other end right now wanted to give you that advice or even just simply collaborate or inquire within about you helping them make a commercial sure what is the best way to contact you um you can literally drop me a dm on instagram at menachem k m as in mary e-n-a-c-h-e-m-k on instagram um, or you can send an email to craftmotionfilms at gmail.com, um, craftmotionfilms um, at gmail. And I'd love to chat. I'd love to catch, you know, catch up on any project you might be working on or you might be working on um, and reach out. And, yeah, I think that's, that's the best way. All that information will be displayed in the description below. And finally, Menachem, the question that I ask everybody on my podcast what will you be famous for? Hmm. I'll probably be famous for Dr. Shirazi. On top of everything that I've I've been wanting to push, that's probably gonna naturally just grow and become its own thing. Whether it's because I do something illegal as Dr. Shirazi or or if people if it actually pick, picks up. Well, Menachem, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you guys for for, for joining. If you've listened this far into the episode, it must mean you're a thriver. A great way to support my show is to follow my socials. You can follow my Instagram, at Mr. Thrive, like the Facebook page, Mr. Thrive Media, and be sure to check out my website at www.mrthrive.com to learn more about the Thriver experience. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.